Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, December 9th, 2020. This is episode 138. Ladies and gentlemen, we are rounding out the year with some amazing interviews. And I am so excited about this one, guys. It features my man, More Than Friends. This interview has it all. Laughs, check. Energy, check. Good vibes, check. I mean, what more could you ask for? In episode 138, we got more than friends full story. We talked about his early inspirations and influences. This guy's based out of Southern California, he used to play in bands, and his dad's actually been playing guitar since he was 13 years old. Needless to say, music runs through his blood. Now, more than friends has had quite a journey as an artist. He's changed his name and sound multiple times, but he still appreciates all the valuable lessons that he's learned that have helped him get to where he's at now. I don't wanna spoil anything, but you're gonna to wanna to listen into this part because he has had some pretty funny experiences before he became more than friends. Now, of course, one of the main reasons I wanted to have him on is because this guy is an incredible producer. We ran through almost his entire discography and it was so cool starting from his first release to where he's at now, getting the full story behind some of his biggest and most successful tracks. And let me tell you, this guy gets better and better. He's been developing his sonic identity and believes so much in his sound. It's incredibly inspiring and he's very, very good when it comes to technical stuff. For all those producers out there, you definitely want to bring out your pen and paper because class is in session. Now, if you guys listened to the DJ Susan interview, you might remember the label Hood Politics. More Than Friends is actually the co-founder and head A&R, and it was so cool to get his perspective on the day that it started through where they're at now and, of course, their goals for the future. I want to say really quick about the Hood Politics team as well. These guys are so much more than a label. They are truly, truly a lifestyle brand behind their music. And it is just so awesome to hear them all talk about how much they love it. And you can hear it in all the releases. So I just want to give massive props to the Hood Politics team. Enough of me yapping. Let's let the man tell a story for himself, guys. Let's get into it right now. This is episode 138 with More Than Friends. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Mike Clementi, a.k.a. More Than Friends, my man. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. A vodka soda. Vodka soda with a little splash of grapefruit and a lime. Oh, mm-hmm. is that your drink? Mixology's been my passion for a while. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I like, in the house and we got some grapefruit juice. I'm like, let's little, little mix a little something together. And uh, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Been a huge fan. Watched a bunch of episodes, so... I'm loving to be here, loving to finally talk to you. This is actually first time meeting, too. I love it. Dude, that's what we talked about before we went on air, man. We share a common love of, of party music, house music, tech house music, just music in general, man. And, and that's why I love this show. Um, right back at you, though, man. Ever since I started listening to your music, I was like, there's something special about this guy. And, of course, you know, your involvement with Hood Politics is incredible, and I'm super excited to get you know, how you got involved with that, because for those that watched the DJ Susan interview, um, we got the full story, but I know that there's always 
multiple levels to that stuff. And as head of A&R and co-founder, we all have our different perspectives. So I'm really, really excited to ask you about that. Your music, you're on fire right now, dude. You really are. Just had a release today with DJ Susan, right? A remix? Yeah, it was... Believe it or not, that was our first collab. We've we've always you know thrown ideas around, but our friend, <laughs> hey. so, yeah, are we? It's funny, you know, being best friends with somebody, you you sometimes don't work on music as much as you like. So, <laughs> Revo hit us up, said, "Hey, I want you guys." Actually, the label it reached out to Revo saying, "Let's get these guys involved." So we teamed up for remix. We're really good friends with Revo. I, I love him so much. He's actually flown out and played a show with us over in the states. So it was it was a no brainer. Jumped on. Stevie laid down the bass line, the drums, kind of the whole vibe of it. And I just threw my two cents in there and tried to fill some gaps. So I think it turned out really well. Thank you. Dude, love it, man. And we'll get around to that. But you've got a full story before that. Um, you know, some of these questions, uh, I might be more excited than, than most to ask just because <laughs> I really did some deep listens today, especially in your music, man. And, um, you know, as a fellow house music producer, I'm curious, and there's a lot of people who watch the show that are always looking for help on music design and in theory and all that sort of stuff. So excited to ask you about that. But let's start in the beginning. Let's start day one, man. Where are you born? Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Gotcha. So I, I grew up in Carlsbad, California. And for those who don't know where that is, San Diego, California, really close to the border of Mexico. You go about 20, 30 minutes and it's a small beach town, little beach community right up, right up on the coast. Mm-hmm. And, People don't. Some people don't know that politics is run by DJ Susan, Stephen Glaive, Nutty, which is Joy McNulty, and then more than friends, who's me, Michael Clemente. And me and Nutty, we grew up with each other. I've known him since kindergarten. We've lived probably two minutes away from each other our whole lives. So we started, you know, just just liking music. We were in like little bands we made. I played bass. He played guitar. <laughs> nice. Music. So yeah, that and it's just a cool place to grow up. It really is a fun. Fun little beach town, a lot of cool people, easy laid back. So it yeah. I wasn't you know, put in a really, really good situation. That's awesome, man. Was, was there any music in your family or like when were you exposed to music even in general in the beginning days? Yeah, so my dad's played guitar a lot. Nice. Probably since he was like 13 or something like that, around that age. Yeah. He's always played guitar. My, my uh, closet, the top level was just full of records. So yeah. The, Classic rock, Motown, progressive mm-hmm. rock, mostly just rock, but he's played guitar. And then when I was getting older, my brother learned to play guitar, but he's like, you know, everyone plays guitar. It's kind of a dime a dozen you know, instrument. Everyone wants that, that solo, that kind of front man stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you should learn to play bass because then you can jam with us. Oh, and shit. The cool thing about bass that I realized as a young kid is one, it's unique. Not many people play it. And two bass and drums are the backbone to every single song or production without a good bass line without good drums you don't have a song yep. you need to sway people in the audience so i really took that mindset just bass and drums and rhythm and brought it to house music production so i'm, I'm i think my dad every time i see him for telling me to do that because i don't know playing guitar and not really knowing what i'm doing yeah preach that is something i actually haven't brought up in a little while is uh the bass bass instrument in rock is is by far the most underrated right like took away the bass from a rolling stones concert or even like a a heavy uh guitarist like Jimi hendrix right like it does create that motion in the ocean man and it's just so cool to see how house music still and and you said it perfectly yourself right there like percussion and bass man that's what makes you move right so if i'm building something up if we're in the middle of a breakdown we're building and progressing 
the low ends cut out typically of the drum kick drum and the bass. So you can kind of hear it just like popping and just a part of the middle. But yeah. when it drops, it fills the audience with energy. Yes. And that thump of the that thump of the kick and that big roar of the bass from kick to kick. And you're just like, that's what really sways the audience and moves them back and forth is the bass and that the low ends coming in. It's true. And these days, uh, speaker systems are a little bit better than the Jimi Hendrix days. So we got <laughs> <laughs> back then. <laughs> we do get the full experience, man. That's awesome, though. What about electronic music then? When did that come into your life? So electronic music. I was, I think I was like a late bloomer to it. So yeah. Joey of our friend group, he was the first one to go to a, a so-called rave. Um, and back then, we were talking before when we were started recording, 2011, 2012, right before trap music hit the market. Yep. It was kind of big room, electro house, things like that. So when I went to it, I was like, I was more so happy about the environment it created. Everyone mm -hmm. so happy with being with each other, easy to dance, easy to get along with people. Yeah. And that's what attracted me to the scene, I think, was the fact that it was just so fun to be there. It was a, such a fun party. Yeah. And then when I first really fell in love with EDM was in Trap, was, was introduced. R.L. Grime, Floster Domus, GTA, all the big names. Yeah. I saw like, I don't miss my ex. I miss 2013 Trap. And my <laughs> God, is that true? Yes, it was, it was man. just so cool. I was, like, so shocked by it. And uh, what, what really, like, made me think that I could do this was it would build up, and then it would, the kick would hit. And the the sound, it was just a really cool sound design. Like, wah, 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 or it's like a ding, 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 just some sort of yeah. noise. But the pattern was what got me. I'm like, I can make that pattern. Yeah. So I, to do this so i uh i got fl studio my friend gave it to me when i was probably 18 or 19 when i was in junior college and from there i produced trap music i used to produce trap and dubstep all the time that was my You're favorite kidding me dude yeah i'll send you some stuff and after this i'll send you some some of my old stuff we released it's it's, it's yeah i used to love just hard headbanger trap just dirty filthy trap music well, what made you want to actually, were you DJing or producing person? Producing? Only producing. I didn't, I didn't start DJing probably, probably until 21, 22, until I can get to bars and clubs. I don't that's think I really any, that's have a place to play. That's, that's much different. I mean, there are certainly some people I've interviewed, especially in the Midwest, I think is, is where a lot of my experience come from and a lot from the West coast, but to produce first kind of gives you a little bit different of a mindset going into the DJ realm, right? Because many many producers of electronic music your goal is to be a touring dj right 100 percent. that's how you play your music out what are you going to do i'm going to be just the guy who i'll bring my midi controller on stage i'll bring this on stage i'll do much realistically you're just going to dj it out and it kind of did like if, if i had a gun to my head someone said do you want to produce music or dj the rest of your life i would choose producing every time 100 percent, because i need to be able to create i need to be able to get ideas out um, but it was only when I started DJing, actually getting shows that I really fell in love with the art of DJing. Like we're talking about James Hype, people who take it to the next level. And the whole idea I want to do was I'm going to take all the music I've made and play an hour of just more than friends songs. I did that for a long time and I still do that for the time. That's awesome. So were you releasing dubstep music as more than friends then? <laughs> I've been through five different names and we'll go through them all right now. Take me on a journey. Let's go. <laughs> So the first name, when I first released a song, I think it was a house music song, though. I think it was just some sort of poppy house song. It was Michael Clementi, mm -hmm. and then it was Clem, <laughs> and then it was Menti. Okay, let's stop right there. You're not a real DJ unless your your first DJ names aren't something if your last name and first name combined. Totally. I couldn't agree more. 
though, Michael Clemente, Clem Menti, and then I wanted to get like really hardcore. I want to be a fucking badass trapper. Then emerges Gold Clap. Gold <laughs> Clap. It's so dumb. It's just so fucking stupid. What a dumb name that is. But when I was doing, I was doing trap, I was like Gold Clap, super hard drop. Gold Clap. You know this song. Makes and sense. Then, from there, I well, let's say what's what brought me to house music was going to a Desert Heart show when I was 21 with my ex girlfriend, and it was at a, a nightclub in San Diego called Spin Nightclub. And what was really cool about this is because spin. I've been to Spin, great. Been, hey, so Spin is a really really cool club. Yeah, not directly in downtown the Gasland District where it's kind of they play like top 40 hits and you're partying with your friends, but by two o'clock you're out of there. Last yep. calls five, you're out. Get the fuck out. Go home. <laughs> Spin nightclub stays open till 6 a.m. sometimes for shows. And this is the first time it's ever happened to me. So we can stay here pretty much till the break of dawn and just party, hang out. We can talk to the DJs, talk to people who hang out with them. And that's like what really changed my mind. So I'm like, all this music is banging. Yeah. All of it is just pumping tech house. Everyone's not, there's not like creepy guys trying to dance and get with girls. We're all just dancing next to each other and just feeling it and really loving it. And from there, I'm like, I went home, like, I need to start making house music. I just really need to start diving into this. And I, I really, really liked Desert Hearts and Dirty Bird when I first started. I was like, I can't get over how dope these guys are. Yeah. Desert Hearts, Dirty Bird. And then once I found, like, Latin, Detlef, Max Chapman, Apollo 84, Rafa Fell, I'm like, now we're at, now we broke the glass ceiling. And we're yeah. going, we're going up some more. I'm like, this is something I never knew about. Yeah. And that's where I dove. That's where I am now and where I'll be the rest of my life. So I didn't go from gold clap until more than friends. So I was 24. So for about two, three years, I was just working on my craft, trying to get good and getting myself able to send music out and put it out as more than friends. That was the biggest transition in my music career. I love that. You probably know that DJ Susan's first exposure was uh, Desert Hearts as well. Yep. He went out and uh, had, a, had a fantastic experience, to say the least. And it's so cool because, you know, I, I had a similar experience in Southern California at CrossFest mm -hmm. uh, when I first really got exposed to just that glass ceiling broke through. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, of course, you know, MK, of course, you know, Claptone. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would just say I was dabbling at that point, man. And this was, I think this was 2016. I went yeah. out there and I had a friend that close friend that lived there and I was like, sure, let's go to this beachfront festival in San Diego. Like I see MK's in the lineup. Sure. Fucking I end up I'm at like the city steps the whole time, man, listening to Tech House, because I'm like, what are these baselines? What the fuck is this, dude? Like I couldn't get a grip. And I've been yeah. to a lot of festivals, man. Like, not a lot, but like, you know, Chicago brings a lot of big festivals. And yeah. I really found myself at the house tents because I was going through that golden age of uh, trap music as well, like the Diplos, the Dylan Francis, like you were talking about, right? I was going to fucked up and party, and I loved it, but you don't ever go to the house tent, sort of, until you get exposed in the right the right situation. You know what yep. I mean? And it's always so perfect when it happens. So I completely re uh, just, like, relate to you on that, man, on so many levels. So in hard summer 2013, I think, I was with Nutty, his girlfriend, or not girlfriend, his friend at the time, and then some other friends. And I was the only person in the group who wanted to go see Jack U close out the main stage. <laughs> Finishing our night at Seth Troxler in the Purple Tent. I had to a VIP show to Seth Troxler, and I was pissed the whole time because I wanted to go see Jack U. 
<laughs> my whole night could have seen one of the best DJs and producers in probably house music, and I was just angry because I wanted to go listen to Jack U. <laughs> you sound like me, dude. Yeah, I, I went to see Jack U. I think that must have been that summer tour they were on. I was doing the same thing, man. But I have some friends that expose you to that music, right? Yep. Oh, man. I was so fucking... It's, it makes me mad thinking about it. I was so angry at that time. <laughs> the best show in the world. <laughs> That's okay, bro. You, you've made it to a good point here. I, I, don't even, I don't care about them. And look at it now. Diplo's doing house music. Diplo's doing tech house. Full circle. Motherfucker started a tech house label, for God's sake. Exactly. Releasing music with Sonny Federa. Here we are. 2020. I know. I know. He's one of those guys, I think he he's like a chameleon in the industry. He does just whatever is the top he thing. He gets it. I, I have so much respect for him in a lot of different ways. I think people hate on him just because he's easy to hate on. Because he yeah. has changed lane so many, so many times. But the, the guy also had a, a, a tough, tough come up, man. Like he didn't, yeah. he didn't, he went through the gauntlet. He didn't just like get a gold star one day and then said, "Okay, here you go, residency in XX Vegas. Here's some labels. Do this." Like he built up Mad Decent. He built up his radio show. He played lots of different types of music. He supported guys that weren't big yet, man. I went to see. Speaking of that, um, 2013 Trap Age. I went to. Detroit, Michigan, to see a Mad Decent block party that was Diplo, Zed's Dead, Dylan Francis, Flosherdamus, Riff Raff, and Keys and Crates. Right? Diplo. Fucking sick. That, that gets such a trap boner right now. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so fucking. I would pay, I'd pay 80 bucks to see that right now. Oh, I'd pay 100 for sure. Dude. Take my credit card now. Yeah. Yeah. Christ, the good times. I remember like those block parties too where. It was unique. Every city had a diff, a little bit of a different lineup. I think I saw the same thing. Diplo, Floss, um, I think GTA was there, and it was a couple other house house uh, acts. But it was in San Diego at a parking lot. It was at a parking lot by the baseball stadium. And it was there's, just so fun. There's beauty and simplicity. So yeah. you were making house music. That's when you became more than friends, right? So where were you at, sort of, in this point in life? Because 2017. Now, I want to get into when you started releasing music. 2017 is the first we see of More Than Friends, right? So where are you at in life at this point where you're like, okay, it's time to start releasing music. I've been producing for this long. Tell me the timeline. Yeah, so I was, so from Gold Clap to More Than Friends, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I told my friends, I'm like, I'm going to switch my name. I'm going to completely change everything. Yeah. Skip time. So I took, you know, before that, when I, I wasn't really release, I wasn't really releasing houses, Gold Clap. I just stopped producing or stopped releasing that. So from that time, I was studying. I was studying videos. I was making a bunch of songs, making them better. I was working on my ideas, getting out of my own head, and also working on my sound. So how do I take every aspect of production, kicks, drums, bass, claps, everything you name, how do I make it sound really good? How do I actually learn to make professional style music? So I did that for like two to three years, and then I self-released my first two songs, and then a small label from the UK called Inspirato hit me up, said, hey, these are really dope. We want to put these out on our own label. I'm like, holy shit, this is the first time this ever happened to me. I'm like, <laughs> I, I pulled them down. I sent them the pre so I got a, a couple of releases on them, and then Manessix hit me up after that. Manessix out in the Netherlands. He runs Overdose, yep. and he was like, yo, I'm, I'm putting together a label. I want you on it. Send me over a couple of songs. So I sent him over some other songs I'm working on. So that got me some exposure on another label. So I, what I would do is I would send songs to labels, get denied by most of them, and then I would put them out myself. But I, what I would use is Hyped It. 
I think Hype is a great tool for young producers. I've heard this before too, and we were just talking about this. I've been sending out this music and a bunch of labels are denying me. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Put it out yourself. Just put the song out. And what Hyped It does is they make it a, a fan gate. And people don't know what a fan gate is for young producers out there. It means that if I go want to download it, I have to like you, comment, and repost the song. Yep. But I get a free download from it. So not only are you getting free music, but now as an artist, you're getting return. Yep. They go above and beyond too. In the tech, you can put the category and then they'll put you on a like a, a top 100 playlist. Luckily, my second, no, third song I put out called Break It, um, not Break It, Touch It. It was a remix of Touch It, Bring It, Babe, that Daft song. It went number two on that chart. So oh, not, so I'm saying I put the song out for free and I'm reposting. I'm number two. I'm number two. I'm number two. Well, this is this guy's third song he's put out. What's going on? We got to talk about this guy. So it gives you credibility as a young producer, which gave me so much confidence. Yeah. Gave me so much confidence that says what you're doing, you're on the right path. So keep going. Just keep putting music out. Keep trying. That is a great piece of advice, man. I, I use Hyped It all the time, and it is, without a doubt, one of the most powerful uh, just grassroots tools you can do. And I, links, right now without Hyped It. I, I think that's the one of the best tools to put out for music. I've interviewed so many people that use that as well. I, you might even, if you're a big Hyped It guy, you might even know this guy, Jet Boot Jack. Yeah. Know? Yes, yes. <laughs> I had him on the fucking podcast. He lives in England because I love his fucking house remixes or his disco house remixes. And I go, dude, you literally fucking top the charts every single time. And yep. he gives so much of his credit, success to that. And the coolest thing about that website to me is, and again, it goes back into SoundCloud because talk whatever you want about SoundCloud, know the, the normal market, the Spotify market of 250 million or whatever it is. It doesn't use SoundCloud to necessarily stream. But it's nope. still a powerful tool for DJs to find new music. It is still a powerful tool for DJs to build their brands. And it is an incredibly valuable tool, like you said, to find new fans. Because never once, when I see a song and I want to download it, am I like, oh, I got to follow this guy. Who you cares? <laughs> oh, shit, I get to follow this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I, I absolutely agree with you, man. It's a huge thing. But 2017 was a big year for you. I want to give you... Quick credit, yeah, like you said, your your EP on overdose, sex, and one more. <laughs> You're really coming into your sound at the end of the year, man. And I know like uh, Fever and Traction were some of the first ones that came out. Um, obviously, you're working on your style, building yourself up to 2018. What was your confidence level like, sort of in the studio, knowing that okay, I, I've tried a few different projects, I'm releasing music. Yes, it's getting out on labels, but what's the next step for me? Where were you at in that at that point? So I really want, I just pump up the sound. I had to like, yeah, really find my niche. And I feel like I'm like, okay, I'm getting, making good music, but what's going to differentiate myself from that? Yeah. So other piece of advice I was told from not my friend who produces EDM, my friend who's in a band. He's in a free band in LA called Arms Akimbo. Kind of like pop rocky, really, really good at finding at, at their alternative rock sound. My mm -hmm. friend, Peter Shrupp, he's lead singer. He said, every single one of my songs that I wrote in the beginning was me trying to sound like somebody else. It was me looking up to my idols, yeah. trying to be like them. And in that, in that process, some sort of divine intervention happens and I create something that's unique in my own. I did the exact same thing. So I listened to Latman. Latman was probably the first artist that changed that got me out of my own head. Yeah. I'm like, so you're telling me house music can be completely banging and super loud and pumped up the whole time. <laughs> I went through his beat for it through a SoundCloud. No song is not a banger. There's no like, oh, I, 
piano yeah. house track. There's no just 120, 118 BPM. Everything is just in your face. Party, party, party the whole time. So I'm like, yeah, that's what I need to do. So fill, so get out of my own head. I'm like, I need to fill the spaces in the, in the songs. I need to put loud synths, get on my sound design game. And I really need to work on drums and percussion and bass lines. So from there, each song just gets a little bit more more and more fun, more and more a beat to where you get to today, where every single song is like that. Love that. Have you met Lamin before by chance? That's funny you said that. So I was in your neck of the woods. If we, if, if I were to say one of my best, um, one of my most fun sets, I'd say two sets. One is Splash House. I was blessed enough to play Splash House last year. Oh, yeah, man. Two is Spy Bar. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. We were invited to Spy Bar by um, Infinity and the, those group of people. Mm-hmm. And we, they paid for the hotel. We flew ourselves out there, and I felt like a fucking king because. <laughs> but Spy Bar is one of the best dance clubs in the United States. If people who are listening don't know what Spy Bar is, Google Spy Bar right now. Oh yeah, super low club, very intimate, the best sound system I've ever been a part of, been been to in my life, been played on, easily, hands down. Part and soul, Chicago man. Exactly, Spy Bar is the shit. Yeah. So we played a Friday night. We got to play a takeover, and it was pretty cranking. I'm like, okay, we had we, we had a good amount of people out there. And I'm like, we have fans in Chicago, yeah. and John Summit played with us too. So I think that helped us a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and the next night, the next night they were gonna say they were like, hey, you guys are fucking sick. We have another day party that's gonna also lead to a spy bar party, and Latman's headlining it. So I got to see Latman at a party under a bridge, under like a freeway bridge, mm-hmm. and then he headlined the the Spy Bar show with Kill Frenzy. Yep. So I could be literally six feet from him watching him play. And then as we were leaving, our flights get changed. The time gets changed. We're pissed off. Yeah. But that was a blessing in disguise because me and my girlfriend are in O'Hare, Chicago O'Hare Airport, and if our tickets didn't change, I wouldn't see Joe Bradley Latman walking towards me like, what up, man? He's like, hey, what up, man? And I was like, oh, shit, what up, dude? And it, imagine, that's like a, a star basketball player meeting Michael Jordan to me. He is the pinnacle of Tech House production. And I got to meet him and talk to him like, hey, man, I saw you last night. I played Splash. I'm playing Splash. He's like, you're going to love it, man. It's super fun. I'm like, I fucking love you. And I just got a picture of him. <laughs> it was the best minute of my life, probably. One of the best minutes. That's hilarious. I'm so mm-hmm. happy that story i went on holy ship and he played and uh he was just standing by himself and i saw him like from across like the pool deck and i'm like no one's in line to talk to latman and, <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like sprint over there to him and he had yeah. just played he had like played some chicago festival and i just talked to him about that such a nice guy he is so british a little hard to understand at first so <laughs> i was like damn dude like it's crazy but i I totally agree with you. His style of tech house really proved to me that less is more. I think the track I heard that really influenced me as well as Death, which is one of his most, one of his most popular tracks, really kind of blew him up. But that's I, I actually now that you said that, I definitely hear these days you got that in you've got that influence, man. It kind of like the kick. It's it's like sure the buildups are there, but it kind of comes gradually. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you you're 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 and I want to ask you more about this, but your tracks are so smooth, man. You like they just could roll through the whole thing. Like you are making music that I would want to play the whole track. Of you course, know? that's not by. Uh, I'm going to make another vodka soda. Yeah, I love this. You're you're mobile. Keep there. We go. This is what it's all about, people. And um, 
that's the whole point. It's momentum. It's all about momentum. So each, each when you hit the first kick drum, the the first part of the song should be plus 15 by the time you're at that last part of the song. It should be you should be building the whole time. There should be no excuse to not have, you know, just keep giving the crowd what they want. They want to get dirty and filthy. They came to a fucking nightclub to see you. Give them something. <laughs> dirty and filthy, man. Now, 2018, another big year for you. Really kept the ball rolling. Uh, of course, this is when we saw your first Hood Politics release. So... We'll go into, I want to ask you more about hood politics later, but I guess at this point, right, you had Body Rock and Goldie's Revenge. Mm-hmm. And also, sick remix by Metal. I hadn't heard that. Yes, yes, of course. What was what was the build up here like? I mean, you guys are obviously working on hood politics at this point, from, I remember from DJ Susan, but had you guys already launched the label? Why did you decide these are going to be the first tracks I'm going to put on Hood Poly? Well, it's funny. So I had. I had so many tracks lined up. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? Steven, how about this? Steven, how about this? And he's yeah. like, yo, you know, he he said this on your podcast too about other artists. Like, you need to make a new EP. You need to make something specifically for, for Hood Poly. Yes. And at that time, I was like, dude, fuck you. Put these songs out. I made these songs. Like, no, I know it'll be great. Just put, just do, just make a, another EP. Yeah. So an EP direct specifically for Hood Poly keeping you know keeping um that party keeping my sound in mind i want to i want to you know make it the best it can be i'm one of the founding fathers of hood politics i better come correct with this shit (laughs) so i i went to the back of the drawing board i'm like i'm gonna take this sample i just downloaded that cool in the gang sample yeah and i just i made body rock and then we're gonna go on a little tangent right here about goldie's revenge goldie's revenge is a true story and I'm going to say this because I don't I don't believe they're going to give a fuck if I say that username. But Golf Clap hit me up when I was Gold Clap. And they said, hey, you know, you're getting, you're playing some shows. And I was just DJing in San Diego. I wasn't really, you know, fighting their style by any means. But he's like, you're playing a lot of shows. And people have hit us up saying it's us, thinking it's us, but it's really you. Oh, so no. he politely asked me to basically change my name. So, <laughs> It's so funny that that happened too because I didn't I didn't really give a fuck because I was already gonna change my name anyway. Yeah. Like, over gold clap, I'm good doing house music. I'm gonna change it. And so Stephen's like Stephen and Joey are like, you should make this next EP called Goldie's Revenge. Like it's your first big, it's your first EP, and it's uh, it's all new music anyway. So that's where the inspiration between behind Goldie's Revenge came. Wow, dude! Holy shit, that is fucking awesome. And, beca- and it's funny because he was playing sex. He played sex. He was playing a bunch of shows like using that song. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck about it, to be honest. I'm happy he told me to do it. And just the fact he knew who I was was, was cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now they're separated, actually. I know. Dude, crazy, right? It, it, you never, things that you never think would happen. Flostradamus, now golf clap. Now uh, golf clap. <laughs> that's for sure. But great tracks, man. I could hear in I could hear in that one obviously like just kind of listening through your discography there, you're you're mixing and mastering getting better. The songs are louder. The songs are more clear, right? And then some dope remixes come in. Shout out to our homie Greco. Yeah. You sweat on Spira did really really well on SoundCloud. I saw. Um, He's, I, I looked at Spira's SoundCloud. I think it was like top five of their most played songs too. I was like, I'm fucking. Um, that's something to be proud of, man. Like even now and and. I think that at that time too is when Tech House was 
really making waves in the festival scene that wasn't just house festivals. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. And I think, it, I think it's because of, of music like that. So mm -hmm. you, you were a little ahead of your time, I would say, because now that type of music uh, is does really well. You know, these 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 edits, these remixes, like you guys still release on Hood Politics and Spirit, mm -hmm. those do really well now. But that, yeah. when you released 2018, did really well then and still will do well. Like, people will come back to that, Michael, and say, damn, this is a banger. You know what yeah. I mean? Easily. I saw people, like, I'll look at the comments, like, a month away. Oh, I put this in my mix today. Oh, like, two or three months. I'm like, that been out for like three years <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man something to be proud of and you had a lot of the remixes that year too um this is america of course tell me about your decision making process for picking a remix do you start with vocal do you even realize you're going to make a remix what's kind of like that look like for you from a creative standpoint so it's it's a mixture of two things one how much are we love the song i yeah. remember my girl jessica she was she's like i really like the song it's like a rap song I'm like this is really dope. This is really, really sick. Mm -hmm. And once you kind of narrow down the song you like, it's finding the acapella. I think yeah. one of the hardest things for a producer to do is find a good, clean acapella. Yeah. And even with that one, if you listen closely, there's a little twang on it. There's a little bit of fuzz, a little bit of imperfection, which I think is kind of cool now. But when I was making it, I'm like, why can't I get this high, <laughs> this really high stuff? But um, when when I found a good a good enough vocal, I'm like, it's over. It's that's I think the hardest part is getting a vocal. Yeah. You know, I can make a drums, I can make percussions, synths, build up, but then I'm stuck. Okay, what's the song gonna say? What's the identity of it? Yeah. With that, when you do a remix, you already have the identity really. You have the vocal phrases, you know the vibe you're gonna do. So what I wanted to do, especially with that one, was create a scene. Mm -hmm. Create this is America. There's more than that to the song. It's this America because of how bad the, the cop the police brutality the separation of the rich and the poor there's so much more behind the song so before the drop i didn't just find that sample out of some sort of gangster rap movie i created that out of nothing i found a police helicopter i took every gunshot the bodies dropping the get down on the ground i placed all that like it was a movie and wow. then builds up the drop and then the sins come in so i was like i, I I knew exactly what I wanted to do before I made that song, which was why I think it was so easy. I made it like a day, I think. Oh, man, don't you love when that happens? Doesn't happen very often, does it? <laughs> no, rarely. I think maybe two or three songs that I put out actually that's happened. Have you ever, tell me a, a failure story when, and I think we all can acknowledge this, we've all picked a song that we thought was going to work and we work on fucking EQing a vocal or trying to find this and it just doesn't work and you waste 24 hours, 48 hours time. It happens to me all the time. It's frustrating. Let's put it this way. I'm on ID 139 right now. I have a lot of songs that I can go back and be like, this song will not work. It just doesn't work. But then again, you never want to delete a song. Don't yeah. delete a song idea. Your, your computer has plenty of space on it. Don't delete it. Graveyard, man. Graveyard. Go back. Yeah. I think, uh, you know what? I think Skanka was talking about that, man. He he saves, or actually, you know, it was Skanka mentioned it too. This guy named CLB, he makes drum and bass. He just had a release out on Space Yacht's label. He was talking about how some parts of songs, he's like, man, I love the percussion on this, but it sounds like fucking shit with this bass line. Or I really love the bass line on this, but it does not mesh with the vocals. Then mm -hmm. you could save as is some random thing, right? But you go back yeah, and you can make it fit. And, and it's so crazy how our mind works with creativity and how our ears work with it as well. Because yeah. something in your head, you're like, this is going to be good. Yeah. Your ears, you're like, God damn it. And then your heart's like, Come on, Matt. Like, well, what's what's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? Right? It's just so crazy, music production, man. Like, how that happens. 
And I've been in so many like long periods of writer's block too. We all have. I think everyone's getting through writer's block where you just don't even open your your program for a week or so, and you're just like, you go back, you're like, what am I gonna do now? What am I really gonna do? But I think to get out of writer's block is to get inspired. Get start listening to other music, listen to something you want to make, and then go back to the drawing board. Try to some, make something like that, and then you make something else. Writer's block. I've had plenty of writer's block in my life, especially I think this is probably one of the worst ones. Uh, coronavirus, can't play any shows, I'm stuck in my house. The height of the George Floyd murder happening when I was like, everything I turn on is just police brutality, blacks versus whites, and just a big separation. I'm like, I don't think I can make music right now. Even when I do, I just don't, my mind's and heart's not in it. Yeah. So I was like that for about two weeks. And then I started just re-listening to like live streams, a bunch of people like doing production videos, and that got me inspired again. You know, just be like, okay, now I'm getting back in the swing of things. It's not, it, things are getting better. And um, I, just listening to other people's music inspired me to make music. That's what, that's what got me out of it, I think. Love that, man. Greg's good advice there. Um, also, want to acknowledge you really quick. You're right at home, Indian Summer Remix. That one caught me off guard, dude. That fucking drop is sick. Thank you, my friend. It's, it's kind of a funny story how I even got that remix. So I was working with Lubelski. So back to when I was saying that Desert Hearts really brought me in, I was trying to, like, you know, message them, DM them. Hey, I got the song. Hey, I'm working on this. You know, this, that, and the nine yards. Yeah. Lubelski was one of the only ones who reached out, was, was talking to me. It's like, hey, man, I like your sound. We were, you know, chit-chat, became friends like we're talking right now. And he invited me up to a up to work on music with him. I'm like, okay, cool. So he was roommates with Fritz Carlton at the time. Okay. When I got up there, we went to his room, but Fritz was sitting with just a, a guy. Just I'm okay, just a person I'm producing music with. Yeah. And Lubelsi's like, you don't know who that is? I'm like, no. He's like, that's Matt Handles. He's one half of Yolanda Be Cool and yeah. runs and runs a Club Sweat. Yeah. And, I was like, holy shit. And Yolanda Be Cool, people don't know, was, made the song, Bob Bob Americano. That was their first, like, one of their first really, really big hits. Yep. So we're working on product. We're working on music in one room. He's working, they're working on music in the other room. At one point, we're all taking breaks, just chit chatting shit. We're showing music, talking this. And then we go get sushi at like midnight. We're, it's in LA, so people, things are open like that. So <laughs> we're walking as, a four, as, a, as four people, Lubelski and Fritz in front. And I'm just walking with Matt Handles. Just talking to him as a like a 24 year old kid who's just making house music. Yeah, I'm telling him the same thing. I'm talking to him like, yeah, I make tech house. I'm doing this. I I try to do only my songs and my sets. And he's like, oh wow. So we we eat sushi. We have a good time. We go back. He's like, all right, I'm gonna head home. He's like, hey, you, I'm gonna give my contact to Fritz Carlton and Lubelski and give they can give it to you. You should email me some of your stuff. And I was like, I was like, fuck that. I pull up. I'm like, no. Just put your stuff in right here. <laughs> I was like, just do that. He's like, like, oh, okay, mate. And then he, he puts it in, and the rest is history. He, I sent him some stuff. He's like, this is all banging stuff. And then he hit me up. He's like, hey, we have a release for Indian Summer. It's more of a poppy stuff. We're looking for more progressive, like, tech house stuff. Want to get you on there. So I, I, I'm like, my heart's fluttering at this point. I'm, I'm like, holy shit. Matt Handles, you know the guy. Pop up, midi kind of guy. I was telling everyone that. I was telling <laughs> Pop Americano wants me to remix the song for his label. So it was one of the most grueling remixes I had to make. I, I make it. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Okay, here's a copy. Hey, mate, it's good, but you could do this, that, and the other. Okay, oh. do that. 
this goes back and forth probably. I think I was on like V9 when I was done sending it, like sending it to them like, hey, I think I have it down. Let me know which things like this is the one we're looking for. So I was super stoked. It was like me, West End, and somebody else. And it, it got like no publicity. It really got nothing on social media and like that. But it was just a really dope. It was one of my top selling songs on Beatport for a while, though. And I think it's because Love Sweat. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Nice work. So 2019 comes around, though. And things really start happening for you. Like, you've got a pretty pretty good discography you build up at this point. Like you just mentioned, you've got some great label releases. Hood Poly is, is really mm-hmm. picking up speed, man, across the board. Um I got to say, your native ZP really showcases your journey as a producer. From listening all the way back to Fever and Attraction and going to Natives, man. Natives is fucking heat. And Thanks. I want to feel, obviously, that's a, that song has a soft spot in my heart for a lot of different reasons. And it's a great vocals, obviously, too. But, I mean, how confident were you in your music production at this point compared to when you really started? At that point, I think I was a little more, you know, I'm feeling myself at that point. Not only can I do the pumping tech house, now I can start. And I love tribal vocals, so I think tribal is one of the coolest ways to differentiate tech house. You know, now we have a banging tech house song, but the middle, the middle of breakdowns, everyone's kind of dancing a little tribal. It's it kind of take now. It's not a party song. Now we're all part of this tribe and shit. Yeah, what are you doing? I, I love tribal stuff. I think it's such a cool way to break down Tech House and, and lead to a Tech House breakdown. So I was really feeling myself at that point. At that point, I was like, every song I was, I think I was, there was like between that EP and like my next release, I signed those within like two or three months just because I was feeling myself so much. And, and I want to feel, then that's a breakdown, a poppy breakdown with a piano breakdown. And, but then it goes to a, a, a party tech kind of drop. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I can really work with it now there's something that someone told me like you need to know the rules before you break them so the first eight the first you know year and a half is you got to learn the rules know what you're doing once you know what you're doing start tweaking start tweaking some stuff pushing limits and going beyond and then you can start really creating something really cool yeah love that man and it's funny you mentioned party tech again because then we come to your most successful song yet licky good the party starter ep man i mean this one, in my eyes, solidifies you as a tastemaker in the scene. You know what I mean? Like, I, you obviously are a humble guy, man, but I want to acknowledge you for this track. I actually, uh, I was looking through your discography today, didn't even realize that I had hearted that song when it came out before I even really knew you. And I was like, oh, shit, man. Like, <laughs> I remember this one. And I think it's got over 300,000 plays on Spotify, which is really fucking good for Tech House. <laughs> song dude that EP, I'm, man. I, I, I'm gonna good. cry this whole EP that whole EP has something special behind it and I'll tell you why yeah so my parents I was looking at my parents at the time and they were gone doing something and I, I was like I'm just gonna lock myself in my parents house and work on music so I made party starter and lick it good all within like two nights oh shit there I mentioned this guy before but Rafa fell he has a song called um not how we do, but there was another song and it breaks down right before the breakdown, like I do with the laser effects he does with another effect. Mm-hmm. And I copied him. I, I Instagrammed him like, Raphael, what do you think? And he hit me up about it. He's like, yo, this is dope. This is super sick. So even before it released, he was playing it out and, and he played at Creamfields. He played a bunch of clubs in Italy. He played it. And even Porky from Desert Hearts hit me up. was like, yo, 
can you send me this song? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, how'd you find out about it? It's like, Rothafel put in a mix and I hit him about it. And he said it was you. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's but, awesome. I'm feeling myself. I'm fucking feeling myself. Even to talk to Joey and Stevie, like, I was like, I'm the star of football dudes. Got it. <laughs> you deserve it, man. You deserve Dude, it. I'm feeling myself. And uh, it was even, so even beyond that story, Rafa Fell said, hey, hey, bro, I'm going to put a label out called How We Do Records. I want this to be one of the first songs out. I love it. I'm playing it out. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yo, I'm super down. I've been a fan of you my whole production career. Love you. Love the sound. Let's run it. Six months go by. Year goes by. Year and a half. You know, hey, man, what's going on with the label? So I'm just sitting on this banger song that nothing's happening. So at some point, he just stops responding. So I was like, it's time. It's time to put it out. So I put out. I already had Party Starter and like a good ready to go. Yeah, and um, the place to be, which is I think my, that's probably one of my favorite songs I've ever made. And it, I, I made that like two weeks before I put the EP out, not knowing it would be so good. Shit. So when you said you're, you said something that made me feel really good. You, you know how to do your job very well, Sherman. <laughs> you like, a tastemaker in the scene. I'm like that. That was that was Michael Clemente more than friends as a whole right there you can boil me down and that ep appears you know oh, that's exactly who i am i mean it's true like this whole time you've been really talking about like what is my sound like and, and you mentioned it before we got on air like as one of the co-founders in hood politics right like of course you guys are going to get back to your label i know dj susan only released on hood politics for a long time we're talking about nutty today he's kind of the left field within it yep. i think that to me after listening to all your music again today that is you and and I I am not surprised that you agree because that's that's a that's the dealer's choice, but it's also the fan's choice, man. And, and I will never. I'll play. I play that. If we were playing shows, I'd play all at least two of the songs that we said. You know, it's, you can't go without it. I love that, man. But you kept it going, of course. Um, Twenty nineteen ended pretty big. Another hood poly release. Hire some more remixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but twenty twenty comes around. Of course, this has been a tough year for the music industry. There's no secret about that. I want to acknowledge you again for continuing to put out heat. Um, you know, just from telling me right now, obviously you have a lot of your music kind of on the backlog. 2020 starts off, uh, or I think you started off. It's hard to find out sometimes with fucking Spotify. Right? Yeah. Uh, Make My Body and Kill Them. Mm-hmm. Sick tracks. Said, fuck it. How long were those done for? Because those would do so well. Honestly, yeah. System, dude. Yeah, exactly. And those songs, too. It's it's the idea that I'm just going to make music all the time. I, once you get a song in its grasp and I found those vocals for make my body, I was like, you know, just do just hammer it for a week <laughs> at a release party. We had a release party at Kettner exchange. It was the first party ever. It was the first song I played and it just went off too. Cause that song goes so hard on big speakers. I think it's one of yeah, the best. Production. Sounds so good on fucking AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know. So hard too. I love it. And that was a self master too. I, once you, as a producer, if I were to give any advice, learn how to mix down professionally. Learn how to master professionally. Learn those things yourself because then you're unstoppable. Nothing, no one can hold you back. And it, make my body was I wanted to create like almost like a 1980s drum where I do a lot of claps, like layered claps. I want like a big snare, a big reverb snare each time. It's like a like a 1980s actual drummer on there. Yeah. Make it simple. Make it super simple. Make it super pumping, and kill them. I did that out of spite for DJ Susan 
because he had collabed with one of our really good friends, Don Paulo, uh-huh. and did Crazy on Your Remix yeah. and did uh, the Rick James Remix. Yeah. And I'm like, motherfucker, I need a Don Paulo Remix. I need a Don Paulo collab. So I found those vocals online. I found, I was like, oh, I've heard these vocals in some of their songs. So I'm like, yo, come over. I got some drums laid down. Adrian put on this. So let's just make it a collab. So that was super easy to make. I think we made it in like two or three sessions. And it, it was one of those times I'm like, I don't want an EP. I just want to put music out. There's a there's a point where like, if you're there's too big of a gap, you need to put something out. In my mind, at least. I need to be able to stay relevant, be able to put stuff out so people can keep playing it. So those two tracks, I'm happy we had a VA to put out because I want to be on there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I needed that Don Paul remix too. So I needed a Don Paul collab. So they're very motivated songs to put out, definitely. I love that, man. And real quick, rolling down. Bro, that is so fucking dirty, you dog. Dude, holy shit. <laughs> I was with my girlfriend in our living room, like, I got to go upstairs really quick. I have to find out. I have to do something. Because I had the, I think every producer has every Dr. Dre vocal acapella download. Yeah. Right? Because they're all on YouTube. They're, every, they're all on YouTube. They're all pretty clean. So I'm like, I was just thinking, G's up, hose down, we motherfuckers bounce. Like, bounce, bounce, bounce. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. Just figure, to, just figure out how to get to that part. And you yep. have a song. Yes. So it was just easy. It was easy. It's like one of those songs, once you have the vision and you have the tools, it's over. It's done. That's some skonka advice right there. He did that with, uh, I can't remember, I think it's the, the track Jordan off his Jordan EP. Did a very- <laughs> Anything skonka does is really good. I, <laughs> and I, I will vote skonka every time. I love him. That's so true. He's the fucking man. And here we are now, full circle, bro. First collab with DJ Susan. I know this is love. You're on fire, man. Um, congrats to you guys on that release. We just ran through basically everything. Out of all these tracks, which one means the most to you regardless of success? Mm, that's a great question. Oh, man. I would say in terms of just nostalgia is the place to be because I love it because not only did I – it's a really cool bass line. I love bass like we talked about before. Yeah. But the breakdown is hip-hop and breakbeat, which I love – hip-hop i think everyone loves hip-hop before this there was trap and hip-hop and everyone wants to kind of blend those two so i was kind of infuse that in the breakdown and then my i think my best most professionally made song which makes me so so proud is visions my my, the title track of my latest ep and i think that's a really big confidence booster to any producer who puts music out when you're put on a beatport playlist yeah is that when you put a song out uh producers djs Anyone on, on Beatport can put your song on a playlist, and then it's under that track. But what really sets you apart is when Beatport themselves put you on their playlist. So Visions, that was kind of a while since my last EP. So I'm like, okay, I hope it does well. Let's just see how it goes. And it was doing okay on the numbers. But then one day I refreshed the page, and Beatport put it on Best New Tech House as number two. And it was behind Walker and Royce. It was behind Walker and Royce for number one. So I'm like, if I can get behind Walker and Royce, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm about like some some people like Miguel Bastida, Max Chapman. I'm like, I'm just a kid from Carlsbad doing this. I'm just I'm not a famous producer, so if I can do this, I guess I'm doing something right. You're making it tangible, man. I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go a little bit into your production process. Obviously, this didn't happen overnight for you. You talked about multiple name changes, genre changes. Are you still in FL Studio, or what do you use now? I still in FL Studio, and I'll be there for the rest of my life. There you go, man. It sticks to his guns. I'm a logic guy. Yeah. Uh, annoyingly a logic guy i almost Why? hate it's I, all, it's all right there why is it annoying what's what's so annoying about it i 
like I love it because it, it's it's what I've always used. But there's so many things when I most people use Ableton at least that I work with yeah. um, workflow whatever. Everybody's got a toolbox, right? And like I, yeah. I kind of practice what I preach in that regard. But I actually started in FL Studio. Funny enough, and uh, it's easy to use. It's almost like it's colorful. It's fun. You know what I mean? Like too easy. <laughs> sometimes it is too easy, dude. It's like it's like it, it feels like a starter pack almost for producers. But like there's it's so like, many it's, it's like a music production video game for a little kid. I really yes. <laughs> I didn't want to say thank you. Yeah, Logic can be just a bitch sometimes. And even when you work with people who love Logic, they're like, God damn it, Logic. God damn it, Logic. God damn it, Logic. I know. <laughs> We like to complain. I think maybe it's the the Apple people in us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I think able is Ableton's pretty much kind of overcome Pro Tools and the fact like the industry standard. Oh. Everyone, everyone does Ableton. Logic. I still see a lot. A lot of uses Logic. A bunch of people yeah. use Logic, and then a bunch of people use FL Studio. Who's PC? I think that's the way it, it boils yeah. down to. That's true. That's true. Um, so obviously, like the key, and a lot of people question when people want to get into the game. What DAW do I use? What do I do with this? What would be your advice? You know, and just to give you an example, like my advice is it doesn't matter what you're going to use, but it is always going to be helpful if you know someone that wants to teach or, you know, said I'll help you to use that DAW. What would be your advice to people that are maybe getting into the game or unsure where to start? Yeah, I would say get with a friend. Yeah, talk to your homies who are doing this, mm -hmm. get their opinion and know your software. So I would recommend if you have a PC, go with FL Studio. If you have Ableton, you probably have to do a little more working through to make it compatible. Yeah. If you have Mac, go with Ableton or Logic. Yeah. Pro probably Ableton just because it's more popular. Yeah. But I would suggest sticking with one thing and working through it. Don't be like, oh, I, my friend told me to do this. So I'm going to jump ship six months in. Yeah. Just stick with your guns and become really good at it. So I, that's what I was trying to find out when I was going from Gold Cop to More Than Friends. I'm watching YouTube videos every freaking day yeah. on sign. Um, FX percussions, everything you can think of, how to make my sound better, all in FL Studio. And I see these, you know, production tutorials, and they're all in Ableton, they're all in Logic, so yeah. no going <laughs> FL. Uh, just, just figure it out, and then figure out ways to do things in it. So if you hear something in a song, try to recreate it in there. Figure out, okay, he's using delay, a little bit of flanger, he's EQing it this way, and he's putting this in the pattern, in the MIDI roll, or something like that. So to figure out ways to do things and, and become really good at your DAW. Don't jump ship. Stick with something really and be really good. Great advice. Michael, one thing you haven't mentioned, actually, is maybe any mentors along the way. Obviously, you're a graduate of YouTube University, but what was, what was somebody or who was somebody that helped you become the producer you are today? So the guy who... I have two people. The guy who gave me FL Studio and the guy who taught me how to take my songs to the next level. Mm -hmm. So DJ producer named Algris, he was like really like more dark techno and stuff. But I, he, I went to his house and he gave me FL Studio when I was at when I was at the junior college. Yeah. He was a tutor in the math in the math lab, and <laughs> I, like the, the math lab, the math, the math lab. <laughs> yeah, we're so old. <laughs> I, it's so funny thinking back on it. But I would go there. I'd be like, hey, I made this beat on my on my. Okay, let's even backtrack it before this. So what got me into production was this. Uh, music production app called BeatPads24 that yeah. me and Nutty would just go on and jam and have our headphones in and be like, this is fucking sick. <laughs> and I was them, like, you should just get FL Studio. Come over, I'll give it to you and kind of show you the ropes. So he showed me how to do that. But he turned his back on me. He may pissed me off one time, but it's such a 
had such a false sense of being pissed off because <laughs> uh, beginning like for like listening you're producing I'd send him music he's like he said this in his bird in my brain he said this belongs at the kitty table of production. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> you stupid motherfucker. And now he's a producer. Now I'm on V4 playlist. So nah. you I, I owe him a lot for teaching me. And I, I would like send him the dumbest wish. Be like, hey, this this changed. Like, how do I get the playlist back here? He's like, just do this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, man, thank you. Just like the most petty questions. And we're friends. He's like just helping me out. So yeah. he helped me a lot. And then... When I was producing trap music, trap and dubstep, I'm going to send you a couple of songs. It's going to say Gold Clap and Atom Bomb. Atom Bomb is a really, really good trap producer. And he's, he's got like 15, I probably at this point, 20,000 followers on his SoundCloud. And he taught me how to, quote unquote, fuck up my track. You need to make things loud. You need to make things, you need to layer things. You need to really pump things up in your mix. And don't look at it as like a song. Look at it as like a piece of art. So on your left side, you have your your lows. The middle is your mids, your percussions, the lower the lower actual sound. On the right side is your hi-hats. So, so make sure these things are all pumped up and they work well together. And he showed me things on our first studio session that I still use today. Layering, EQing, just, just different concepts he taught me that I still use every single production. And I still talk to him today. We, we're still good friends. That's awesome. I love asking people that question. It, it, seriously, like, if you look, I, I'm going back to Adam. Mom, I remember driving to his house after I got off work at 10. He lived 30 minutes away, so I get there like 11 ish. We smoke, we hang out. I, I had sent him stems for like the, the drops, like the actual synth work and stuff. And he's like, I'm going to go fuck up the drums. And he would just take the song to the next level, something I, in my mind I could never do. He's like, no, I'll just show you how to do this. And I, I, I owe him so much for that. It's it's so crazy to think about. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. incredible. So let's talk about hood politics really quick. Mm -hmm. um, you're the co-founder in A&R. I want to know how you originally got involved, what role you played along the way, and you know maybe how many hats you've worn, and of course your guys' goals for the future. Yeah, so hood poly is a, it's a journey. So I've known Joey since dawn of time, since we were like four or five years old. I met Steven when we were outside, like, a local nightclub called Shelter. It's like a, a cool little lounge bar spot. And when I was putting out Trap and, like, kind of getting in the house, we didn't put, like, one or two just really shitty house songs out. And he's like, yo, I'm throwing parties at the sushi restaurant every Wednesday. It's called Wet Wednesday at this place called Zenbu. You should come through. Come play some music with me. And I was like, okay, fuck. <laughs> And I've never spun on CDs at this time. I've never, ever spun on them before. So I <laughs> a shitty tractor, like, you know, a shitty Pioneer mixer that's, like, built in using a computer. Yeah. Well, he's throwing parties every Wednesday. I'm kind of producing. I'm making stuff better. So at one point, I was still gold clap in transition. Yeah. And from that, we were playing every week, becoming such good friends. We'd play, go back to his house, just talk about music and life. And it's me, Joey, and Stevie just, just becoming just really really enjoying life and then joey at some point gets the opportunity to run a label through our friends who run prescribed it's like a music soundcloud distribution channel and he's like hey you can run this help me run this label but then stevie and we were saying is like let's just take that and make hood politics records stevie already made hood poly is like a clothing company kind of a crew from long beach and his homies from just living in encinitas 
let's actually take it to a music standpoint and create a label. And I even thought of it as an even better way because we were all putting out or trying to put out really, really banging tech house. Yeah. We're putting out great music, but it's not getting signed anywhere. No, everyone's saying, hey, it's good, not for us. Hey, it just doesn't fit our catalog. Hey, it's not good. So I'm like, it's good. I know it's good because I put my songs out independently and they're getting plays. Let's just make an outlet for that type of producer, for yeah. us and who really think like us. Mm -hmm. We want to, you know, really push it super hard. So we put it, so we made the politics, did our first release, got a pr big premiere out of it. And then we would sound like lo our friends, local talent. And then from there, because the internet, it just grows and grows and grows. Ben, ben Reed, hey, I like you guys. Well, I'm going to send you some music. Uh, Mescal Kids, oh shit, like you guys are actually doing a lot. Here, I'll send you some music. We just got a demo from Gene Baccaressa, the owner of Delicious. Hey, I love, because I love you guys. And that it's such a natural progression and like growing your label. It, I think the, one of the best pieces of advice is to not have a goal in mind when you're doing it. It's to not say, we need 10,000 followers by year four. Yeah, we bro. Be port placement by this time. Every release is a it's every release is gold. Push that release, just push it as much as you can, and and don't treat it like we need famous people. Those are some names I made who are pretty big now, but we're getting demos now that are from the underground people I've never known with 500 followers that are banging, that yeah. are huge, and I'm gonna sign them because it's just good. I don't need you to have a big following. I need you to have good music. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. Cheers to that. God damn, that's fucking great advice, bro. Yep. I mean, I think one thing I think I heard Jaws say maybe years ago that still resonates with me is like good music will always find a way and obviously you kind of have to lead a horse to water to a certain extent yeah, of course. but I, I really love your guys your guys style on that like i don't care who you are man what do you what is this music that you stand behind and you mentioned it a few times like what is the story with this music like when you're talking about the this is america remix like what is the what is the symbol what is the the story i'm trying to tell here who is the artist behind that and I think every hood politics record, man, like, there is something, dude. Like, there really is something, man. Like, I ha I got so much love for you guys' label, dude. Every fucking release, I'm like, it's going to be a hit. Yeah. It's going to be a hit, right? How do you, how do you as an A&R, maybe do you disconnect yourself from the producer within for your own style? And mm -hmm. obviously, try and stay within the lines of what makes sense for hood politics. So it depends on the production. So when I look at a song, I see, okay... What's the vibe? What are you doing? So as soon as I click it, as soon as I click play, what's the vibe? Is it, I can tell if it's minimal in the beginning or I can tell if it's, is it building up? Is it banging tech house? And what I do is to differentiate into two categories. One, am I going to sign this immediately? Which, you know, that's awesome. Great production, great vibe. Or two, is this going to be a deny, but I'm also going to stay in contact with this person, okay. which means the ideas are there. They have great ideas, but the production isn't there. We call it technical support. I think Joey is really good at this. We'll call it technical support. So when you have him on, he'll talk to you about that. But we'll yeah. go, hey, this song's great. Just do A, B, and C and pump it up a little more. And then let's 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 see what we're working with over here. Because I think that there's a different style of producer versus I have great ideas, but I'm not there in sound design. I'm not there in production level. It doesn't sound fully pumped up yet but the idea is really cool the vocals the the sense the baseline that's there but you need to need to work on you know making your sound better two which is the harder producer to work with which we don't it's kind of it's just may not be there but the people who have the 
production skills. They have every synthesizer under the sun. They'll tell you, oh, I have all this cool analog shit, but their ideas aren't there. Yeah. They're not that good of a song. And for those people, I tell them this, you have to get out of your head. You have to let yourself get out of your ego and really think about what do I want to, what do I want my audience to feel about this? If you want to feel this, good luck. But it's, it's not for hood politics. I'm not going to say good luck because that's, that's fucked up, but it's just not going to be for us. And again, I, Susan said this, I was listening to on the way home, just because I don't like it or it's not for hood politics, but doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. Music subjectives, art subjective. So it could be, you could be banging for another cat in another label or category. It's not for us. And, don't take it personally. And I feel like I had to go through that a lot as a, a young producer is when I got denied, it made me angry. It made me more mad that they didn't want me versus it may not be for them. It's not a science and art. So people think like, oh, I'm going to go to their, their discography. I'm going to listen to their songs. I'll make a song that fits their vibe perfectly. I'm going to kill it. Why did I get denied? Well, realistically, they already signed those songs. They probably want something else that's kind of like it, but not exactly the same. So yeah. It, it's the luck of the draw. You just have to be genuinely yourself the whole time and love doing it and, and just love your production. That's what I think really separates. And you can tell who loves a production versus I'm just going to make a song versus for a vibe or for a style. I think it's so special. So you hear about a lot of these big labels and to a certain extent, you know, they do have people that are producers themselves, of course. But we hear about the, the Sonys, the Spinnins, right, where they don't sign a song. And the producer who made that song is like, I understand what you're saying, but I know the potential of this. You know what yeah. I mean? It goes to another label, and then that label you hear about months or years later. I've interviewed some pretty big guys, and in their beginning stages, they talk about that, right? And then all of a sudden, they have a huge release that does so well that they either A, said no to, or B, said no to the style of, right? Yeah. I think that's really cool how you guys go about that when you do know, you know what? This guy's a good producer. It's a good idea but it's not us, but I'm going to acknowledge him for that and give feedback. I mean, you guys seem like the type of guys who respond to every fucking email, man. So probably. Yeah. yeah, we, we, we're pretty, we're pretty detailed about that. And I think that separates us too, is I want to, I'm not the dick. I'm not the guy who's above you. I'm not looking down you at all. There was my friend, Antoine, it was by Twonsky. And we were like, just Instagram friends, you know, emailing back and forth and stuff. And then he met me at an LA show. I'm like, you know, we're friends, right? You don't have to like, look at me like that. I'm, I like you a lot as a person. We're not, I'm not the fucking guy you look up to. I'm just your <laughs> yeah, that's some dickhead A&R guy. He's like, fuck you. I don't like the brand. <laughs> All right, but I make music. You know, I'm just like you. I'm just a, I'm a fan. I like to go party and shit. I love that, man. What what is the what is the goals for the future with 2021 or beyond with the politics? I know you guys are working on festival uh, opportunities. I know you guys are working on club shows, all that sort of stuff. Has has that shifted? with what sort of music you guys want or what you want to do with the brand, knowing we don't know when live shows are going to be back? Yeah, it's it's just keep pushing. It keep pushing. I like building the underground a lot. You know, don't get me wrong. There's there's obviously it's humbling seeing people that I look up to that are sending us demos, which is awesome. But I really what gives me really like a lot of happiness is finding people who are our sound and have so much potential. And I want to push. I want to build people. I think that if I could quit my job and create a career, it's just building building artists, just yeah. encouraging them making sure that they get the right exposure. There's a guy I signed out of uh, Islam. His name is Brown Box. And the guy we were talking about before, I was like, I hit him up like, hey, man, I went through your SoundCloud. I went through your Beatport. Not only is your demo sick, which we accept, but I think we should do a collab. And it was just so easy to talk because it's that same mindset. Like, just a person. I like to have fun. I like to produce music. Yep. 
or we are friends. We are automatically friends. There's nothing you can do about it. It's a lifelong relationship. Music, entertainment, things like that. Sure, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but we're friends for probably the rest of our lives. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm happy about it, man. Got it. Whenever I talk to you guys, I'm like, man, I can't wait to like hang out with these guys in person. Oh, that's the thing. Like, we go to Chicago, come out of San Diego. You have a place to stay. You got friends to hang out with, so you're you're good. You guys are the best, man. Seriously, uh, Michael, for as optimistic as you are of a person and so positive. There's certainly some obstacles that you've overcome. What have been some of the things you ran into along the way, uh, whether they be failures that you've learned from or, or things you didn't think you'd get through, and, and what were they? I think it's I, – I love thinking about where I was versus where I am now. And mm -hmm. the big scheme of things, I've been producing music since 2018. And – not 2018, that's no, that's bullshit. 2012, so about eight years. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, it's not that long. Yeah, see, a little too many of these getting to you. You're, you're, you're talking shit. Um, I've been producing for about eight years, and the journey and where I am now versus the sound, I'm like, I know that I can create professional music, and I know that professionals will play it out. So I think I have that mindset of I, I know how to make music, yeah. and I always talk about, I always want to, again, build up younger artists so i always talk about what should i have been told when i was younger mm -hmm. and one thing i always thought it was numbers i want to get at least a thousand plays on my soundcloud release when i get a thousand plays i'm good yeah 50 reposts i'm good yeah if i get this many plays or something whatever it is if i get some sort of i want to build my beatport up i'm good but it's not like i i encourage people because then when you don't get that you're pissed. Yeah. Like, that song, I only have 700 plays. What's going on? I put this out. It's not getting many repos. What's going on? And I was talking to Dantes and King Sadie out of Detroit. I became really good friends with them over the over the um, pandemic and just talking and you know, working on music and stuff like that. And King Sadie told me this as a really, really good piece of advice that I think about all the time. He said, it's not the random people on SoundCloud who are listening to your music or reposting it has anything to do with your success. If you get your music on the USBs of the biggest artists that you look up to and they're playing it out in clubs and festivals, you're good. Yep. That is the goal. Because once you get into there, they're vouching for you. They're playing it out. Oh, I have support by this guy. I'm doing this. And I even had a couple of times that happened. So Wade and Rafa FL are my two big big guys. Same with, I have to put golf five in there, but Wade played my song across one year. I got a video of him playing mine and Omnob's collab before he became famous. Me and Omnob had a collab. Check your shit, guys. No one believes me. <laughs> me and Omnob, Cody Lee had a collab before this. And he, yeah, and he played it out. So I was like, and I, I email him all the time songs. He's like, yeah, I'm going to play this. I'm like, that's super cool. This is super, he was one of my top listeners not too long ago. So if you're looking to try to, you know, see what's going on, you're not getting plays email email instagram message the people you look up to try to get in their back pockets talk to them because those are people that can really move the dial for you and they know people at labels they know people who are a and r's for other for other labels too so get get your music on their usbs and you should be good to go a number is just a number and believe me plenty of people pay for numbers yeah i this i'm going on a tangent again but i i had this happen to me the other day this happened to me like a month ago I was getting ready for my uh, my vision. No, it's a, I have another EV coming out on Relight, Tyler Coy's label out of Spain. And I was sending out some, you know, just some premiere stuff. Hey, you don't know, want to premiere this, want to premiere that. Techno Bible reached back out to me because I got to their A&R. And they, they did it this way and made me kind of off off kilter. 
They're like, hey, hey, man, we love this song. We love this one on the, the EP. We'll love to get a premiere going. What's the release date? I'm like, December 7th. Here, let's do one. Let's do it the week of or week before. Whatever you think, let me know what you need. Okay, perfect, man. We love this stuff. We love it, man. Here's a price sheet. Here's our, our pricing package. I'm like, what the fuck is this, dude? So <laughs> I, I away from my from my love for the industry sometimes because one, it's on SoundCloud. If you pay to get SoundCloud numbers, you're putting your money in the wrong spot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Two, that blows my like it deflates my bubble of the industry because if you said, Hey Sherm, I got these three songs. What do you think? I'm like, I like them a lot. I'm liking them. I'm reposting them. I'm putting this on my story. Like, yo, bang these songs, dude. These are sick. And that's free. You don't need to pay me to do that. I just like doing it because it's cool to me. I don't need to, you don't need to pay me a fee to repost it or post on SoundCloud. It's insane. So I, it's, it's weird because you have to send music to people who don't produce music to say, we're going to get you the exposure. Just put out yourself on Hyped It and try to get people to play it out. That's it. You don't need to pay money to get on SoundCloud. That's bullshit. I agree, man. It is an old scheme within the scheme. It's Of course, and that's kind of the thing from the outside looking in. There are a lot of people who think there's backstabbers, and there are. But guess what? There is there is so many more people like us who are good people that no. want to help each other. There's no artist, like we talked about, that's at the top that didn't start on square one, man. It's like, Dude, the music industry is the sports industry. The sports industry is the business industry, man. Yeah. Fucking entrepreneurs trying to build something up on our own, but no one got there on their own. They have help, and it's okay to ask for help, big and small. Yep. I'm a, I am I would say I'm a producer. Producer. Anybody who wants to talk about music production, hit <laughs> me up. I respond to every Instagram. I respond to every email. Hit me up. That's an invite to anybody, any of your listeners on this. I, I will never not be able to talk about music production. Yeah, you're the best, dude. You're one of the best people that when they hit me up on Instagram, I'm like, what's well, I got to say? I'm excited. He's either going to inspire me or he's going to make me laugh. And sometimes it's both. <laughs> <laughs> dude, this has been so much fun, man. What else can you tell us about? Uh, I guess it's almost the end of the year. You got any releases coming up? You said December 7th. What do you got for 2021? Anything planned? Yeah, so we so today, we record this today. It's going to come out in a week or so. So okay. me and Jay Susan have a remix for Revlo out on Selectro. Um, that's out right now. I have an EP coming out on Tyler Coy's uh, label called Relight. And Tyler Coy is pretty big. He has a solo release, got a uh, material release just, just came out. So I have a three song EP December 7th. I have a remix for uh, Observatory Music, MFS Observatory, coming out in December. And then I have a Happy Techno release on one of their uh, compilations. Wow. Fuck yeah, bro. Good for you. That's awesome. Very stoked on that. Happy Techno. Hood Poly release in April, and then James Hype's label, Stereo Hype, they just premiered. I have a release on them, too, which is pretty sweet. And it, it's got a cool story because the last EP I put out is uh, Visions. Me and Ryan Nichols teamed up on a song. And again, another producer that reached out to me and um, and just, you know, he has a really good sound. He's a really, really good guy. And he, he sent me some stems and we worked on a song. And Rewire from the Stereo Hype team was playing my playing that song in a, uh, a live stream. I don't saying showing mad love, and he said we're doing a, a release for Stereo Hype. I sent him a song, and they, it got signed. So very happy with that. So March in, in March we'll probably have that come out too. Or no, not March. March uh, Happy Techno in late January. That's gonna be coming out too. So I have, I have a bunch of stuff coming out, and always working on music. So and again, also Hood Poly. We're always taking demos. Anybody out there who has songs that would think they would fit for our demo, 
we listen to every single one. There's no one who gets passed because of followers or anything like that. We're we take it song for song. I love that, man, dude. Keep it fucking going. Don't let that flame burn out, man. You are doing such an incredible job of hood politics. Props to you guys. And I gotta say, man, like what you're doing with your own brand and how much you believe in it and how much you love your music is just so incredible. And just want to acknowledge you again, man, for like making this shit tangible. And that's why I do this podcast because, like, look at you, like, you're fucking glowing right now, bro. I made you glow. You're like, yeah, I told my story. I did this shit. I went through some ups. I went through some downs. I'm up again. And you're here now, bro. Like, keep doing yep. it, Michael. You're inspiring me. You're inspiring so many others. And yes, once again, Chicago does love hood politics. I want to remind you guys that. And and Chicago and San Diego loves Sherman the Booth. So, like I said, anytime. <laughs> I got a guest room with your name on it. You, you know, Steve is in Tulum. I got you can stay at my house. Yes, <laughs> that's good, bro. Jesus, you guys all make me laugh. This is hilarious. I love it, bro. <laughs> this has been so much fun, man. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. I'm gonna send off with a big kiss. Mwah, make another oh, drink. Hi. Girlfriend's coming home right now, so we'll talk soon, Sharon. I love you, bro. I will. Love you too, Michael. Thanks so much, man. You have a good night. You too. Peace out, bro.